You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Hive Hoops is back. I am your host, Joshua Balta. Ben Hollifield is joining us again today. He's been on a previous episode. Had to get him back because he's been he's been saying a lot of things on the little you know the little bird app that I agree with and that I that I lean heavily towards here recently. Um, Dylan Brooks, Drew Holiday, but we're going to get into all those things here in just a few. Definitely going to be talking about Dylan Brooks and the 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 message that came out from Shams. Uh, we don't know who said it. But we're going to delve into the, you know, under no circumstances. And basically, this entire episode isn't a playoff episode. Hornets edition, which is not very different from, you know, any other season. The Hornets aren't a part of the playoffs. So it's not that kind of NBA playoffs episode coming at you today. But it's. Who are all these guys on these teams that could possibly land themselves in a Hornets uniform and, you know, some free agency talk? We're going to go ahead and get into that. And then we're going to go retroactively uh, look at the Donovan Mitchell trade last offseason. I got some thoughts on that. I wanted to get Ben's thoughts on it as well, including some other deals that were made, the Kyrie Irving deal to Dallas. But we'll get into all that. Here shortly. First off, Ben, how you been? How's everything going for you? I'm doing great. I appreciate the invite to be back. Well, look, I mean, last time I thought we had a good enough time. I was like, you know what? We're agreeing enough here. I got to get his thoughts on this episode because actually I think I may be bending a little bit now on one of my takes. Um but I wanted to get you on, especially with all this Dylan Brooks talk. He seems to have been the media darling, I guess you could say here recently, but not darling, more like media villain. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking about the guy. He loves talking about himself. I mean, he even went out and got this big, giant DB chain that nobody else on the planet has. Nobody else on the planet wants. But he, you know... Being Dylan Brooks himself, I guess he's feeling himself a lot. He went out and got that. So he loves talking about himself. He's putting himself in the media. He's, you know, going at LeBron James on, you know, the global stage. And so I guess my first question is, Dylan Brooks, why would you want him in Charlotte? Well... First of all, I'm not here to like patronize. I don't know if that's what I'm looking for, but patronize any Hornets fan that doesn't want Dylan Brooks because that is hardly an unreasonable take to say that you don't want Dylan Brooks. He is a loose cannon that has more confidence in his shot than Byron Mullins did back in the day. And, but I would like to look at it from this way Taylor Jenkins, who has been a coach of the year candidate who most consider to be a very good coach. Grizzlies have been a top three seed in the West the past two years, and Dylan Brooks has started every game for him, every single game. He starts, plays a lot, takes on the team, takes on the other team's 
best perimeter player, best wing player, averaged 18 a game last year. And everybody needs somebody that's just annoying that to quote Dylan Brooks pokes bears. Now I didn't like that. He, that he ducked the media after, after he lost, I would have much rather him just keep it up, say whatever comes to his mind. So I didn't like that, but like, if you're looking at the Hornets and you are a team that, well, we don't guard anybody. The Hornets do not guard a soul. And you need somebody that can do that. That's why he was such a good fit next to Ja for, for the number of years because Ja doesn't play a ton of defense either. And it's no secret that that is not what LaMelo does best. So putting Dylan Brooks next to LaMelo and possibly Terry Rozier that seems like a good fit, and it seems like somebody that Steve Clifford can get to similarly to how he got to Kelly Oubre this season. And Dylan Brooks, a lot is said, and and I get it. He's not he's not the poster boy for, for the NBA, but everybody needs somebody that's got some semblance of toughness that can guard somebody, and that's not – you can say what you want about Dylan Brooks, but he's not afraid of anybody, and that you need somebody like that. Yeah, Dylan Brooks was number two on my personal free agent list of non-Hornets. That's not including P.J. Washington. That wasn't including Nick Richards at the time before he ended up signing his extension. You know, so non-Hornets. Dylan Brooks was number two on my list for quite some time. And even heading into the playoffs, he was there. You already stated this. The part that really started having me rethink it was all of this talk, Pope Bears, you know, and I and I like that. I I don't mind him going at all-time greats. You want guys on your team who are tough, who are physical, who aren't going to back down from anybody. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted him on the Hornets. But then it's You've already alluded to this. It's when he started ducking those post-game pressers that I started being like, well, he's he's sure is chirping a lot when they're up. He's talking a lot when they're winning games, but all of a sudden, when he's losing games, all of a sudden, he's nowhere to be found. And so that's when I started kind of retracting my stance on bringing Dylan Brooks to Charlotte. Now, after these comments came out that Shams, you know, quoted, you know, under no circumstances will the Grizzlies bring back Dylan Brooks, I'm starting to wonder if maybe it was the Memphis Grizzlies organization that wasn't allowing Dylan Brooks to take post-game media uh, interviews. I don't know – I don't know where there's any validity to that. I'm not sure. But it seems, after listening to the GM of the Grizzlies, um, Kleiman, I think, Kleeman, um, he said, we we had some self-inflicted, um, I guess, attention imposed on ourselves. And when he stated that, that felt like to me that he was basically talking about Dylan Brooks and his comments, and so it wouldn't shock me if maybe that was more of a Grizzlies organizational move to not have him talk, take him out of the eye of the media. He had created all of these distractions for the series already. They're dealing with Jaws' injury. They're dealing with Dylan Brooks's mouth. 
And then on the back end of that, you're playing an all-time great. And then AD finally decided to play basketball again, like, like he's a top 10 player in the world. So you had a lot of stuff going on. I really like Dylan Brooks's fit on the Hornets. It's just the 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 part that I wouldn't click with is the front running, which is something that the Grizzlies have been called numerous times throughout this season by media, by players, by opposing players, not their own players, but by opposing players. That would be the part that I wouldn't really like. And then I guess you could say the three-point shooting as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are all valid concerns. I guess my my response to that would be that players, I had a friend pointed this out, players, when they come to Charlotte, get better a lot of times because there's no media attention. Any media attention that comes this way is Lamello's. We know that. Um, Hopefully Wimby soon. Hopefully Wimby. Yeah, and Wimby, hopefully. So look at that. That's two players taking all the media attention away from him. And also, Clifford, this is what he does. Like, that. that's – Dylan Brooks is – like, that's Clifford's guy. Like, I can just see that being a fit where he can tell Dylan Brooks to focus on defense and offensively. I remember there was a quote from earlier in the year that said Dylan Brooks said his teammates can live with the bad ones because he's playing really good defense. And also, one thing I just remembered, um, Molly Morrison, you know who that is, Um, the Grizzlies fan. I remember somebody commented, like replied to her and said, or said, Grizzlies fans, do you guys like Dylan Brooks? And her response was, no, but we love him. And I thought that was was great. I thought that was awesome, and I think that pretty much sums up everything I could possibly try to say. Yeah, I think you're right. right. That that is a fantastic quote, Um, and I do think that that sums up Dylan Brooks, especially if he plays for your team because, yeah, he's kind of this disgustingly – arrogant, overconfident player in himself, right? But if he plays for your team, you love the guy. It's like Pat Beverly. It's like Draymond Green. You know, it's it's those that type of player that you hate watching play basketball. You hate when your team plays against them. But then if you're a fan for that team, you love those guys. And Dylan Brooks seems to fit that mold. Um, if it was Memphis's organization saying, no, 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 we're going to take media availability away from you, which I'm starting to kind of lean back towards, I wouldn't mind bringing Dylan Brooks back. The thing is, what does that do to that shooting guard small forward rotation in Charlotte, which seems to be, you know, the most – You can't say loaded because it's not loaded with talent, but that seems to be the position where there just seems to be the most players on the current roster. They're either a two or they're a three. And so, I mean, that, that brings in Terry Rozier, James Booknight, Cody Martin, Kelly Oubre, uh, Gordon Hayward. I mean, there's just a log jam already there. I mean, you have fans, you know, all season, calling for James Booknight minutes, even though he didn't deserve them. But he can't get on the floor, even with Cody Martin out, even with Kelly Oubre out, even with Gordon Hayward missing extended moments. He still couldn't find the floor 
And so what would a Dylan Brooks acquisition do to that shooting guard small forward rotation in your mind? Um, I've thought about this. I think it largely depends on what happens in the draft. Um, I would say that I'm not going to speak on the Miles Bridges situation much at all because I don't. Yeah, want look, to I didn't even ask you to, right? Like, no, nah, yeah, but like, like, it's just, like disclaimer, disclaimer. Perspective: If you're looking at that from a purely basketball perspective, I'm not in favor of bringing. Or I'm not in favor of bringing him back. But by looking at it from a from a pure basketball perspective, I think if you're bringing him back. And say you get Wemby, Dylan Brooks doesn't make sense. Um, but let's just let's take Bridges out of the the conversation for a second. I'm looking at a starting lineup of Lamelo, Dylan Brooks, Terry Rozier, because I think Dylan Brooks his just existence makes Terry Rozier more valuable. Terry Rozier is not because Terry Rozier he got a lot of slander this year, and a lot of it was was understandable. But he was also being asked to do stuff that he does not excel at. He's being asked to guard like the best guard on the other team ranging from Trey Young to Luca to Devin Booker. And that's not what he does. He he's all, he's all right in some situations like that. But Dylan Brooks existence being able to do stuff like that, it makes Terry so much more valuable because then he can be he's not relied on so much defensively and he can be the shooter that he is so elite at. And then obviously you figure Mark Williams is the five there. And then that four spot PJ Washington Wemby. Brandon Miller, I think that if you get someone like Scoot or maybe then Dylan Brooks doesn't make sense in that situation because yeah. Scoot and Dylan Brooks together, that could be possibly rough. That does There's no shooting there. Mm-hmm. But in an ideal scenario where you end up with Wimby or maybe you get Brandon Miller or somebody of that nature, I think Dylan Brooks is, fits into the starting lineup. I would still worry uh, about Dylan Brooks alongside LaMelo and Terry, just because if you bring Dylan Brooks in, you want him to guard the best wing player, in my mind. I would hope that you have a guard that can semi-neutralize the opposing team's best guard and then have Dylan Brooks placed on the opposing team's best Mm -hmm. wing player. But... You know, I I don't think that's a situation. I mean, Dylan Brooks or Kelly Oubre, who would you rather have? Dylan Brooks. Right? I love I, I love Kelly Oubre. Love him to death. Wish nothing but the best for him. But Dylan Brooks. Yeah, like I I think that's when you start talking about players like that. I mean, if this Hornets team is talking about bringing back a Kelly Oubre, and that being one of your rotations, Lamelo Terry. Kelly Oubre, maybe P.J. Washington, and Mark Williams. At some point, that five is going to be on the floor. And so, I mean, if that's what you're doing, can you bring Dylan Brooks in for around the same money as Kelly Oubre and get better play, better production, better, you know, you'll definitely get better wing uh, defense for sure. Will you get the streaky shooting? that Kelly Oubre brings to that level? No. But I think the defense has to be the main focus at this point because Kelly Oubre can hurt the team oftentimes when that shot's not falling, right? And so, um, yeah, when you start looking at those things, I I might would lean Dylan Brooks over Kelly Oubre Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, it's one or the other for me. You're not not having both. 
No, 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 no. And like, that's, that's what you have to weigh out. And like, those would really be the conversations that it comes down to money as well. Uh, I don't think, I I think Dylan Brooks and Kelly Oubre are probably going to be in that same realm financially. I would agree with that. Dylan Brooks tanked his value though. Do what now? Dylan Brooks tanked his value though. So I wouldn't be surprised if Oubre got more than he did. Yeah, between the the comment, and we don't know who leaked, you know, under no circumstances. We don't know – I don't know why Dylan Brooks's camp would leak that. That doesn't look helpful. Yeah, I don't think that would From his standpoint, it has to be somebody from the Grizzlies front office. It feels like something where somebody from Memphis said that they had a conversation with Dylan Brooks and decided that they were going to go their separate ways this offseason. Because that's what it said in the article. And Shams, being the journalist that he is, <laughs> formed it in a way that's just, wow, my gosh, you know, I'm going to click on this. Yeah, I think that's the most likely situation. Well, people have definitely clicked on it because... I clicked it, on it. it. I, I, I clicked on it. Hey, <laughs> disclaimer, I clicked on it. Now... Another player that is currently out of the playoffs. Remember, I did say this was a Hornets playoff edition. We're never in the playoffs, so we got to make our own Hornets playoff edition episodes here. This is what we have to do. But another player who is out of the playoffs that, oh my goodness, Drew Holiday, Ben, Tell me all the reasons why you would want Drew Holiday in Charlotte. And while you do it, I'm going to co-sign. We don't we don't even have to like whatever you say, I'm I'm with you. Just 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 tell everybody why Drew Holiday belongs in Charlotte. I do have a quick disclaimer. I've had some reservations recently. I'm still for it, but I'll say. <laughs> Let me just start by okay, saying Okay, never this. mind. I do not second everything Ben says. Well, all right. Let, let me just say this. I know where you're going with this, I think. Drew Holiday is is and has been for a while one of my five favorite non-Hornet players in the NBA. I absolutely love him, adore everything he does. But he, he made a comment recently that said he expects to retire after yeah. the last two years of his contract. Yeah. And, like, that's not, like, unreasonable i mean he'll be what 35 or something like that at the time he's still a tremendous player he was an all-star this year and i think he is quite literally Lamelo's perfect backcourt partner so let me just say let me explicitly i am in favor of having drew holiday in charlotte like i am in favor of it however if you take out the names in the context which you can't do but if you do take out the names in the context and you tell somebody that a team that finished with the fourth worst record in the league traded significant, not significant, traded real assets for a player who said out loud before they traded for him that he was going to retire before the pick they traded to him even conveyed. Probably, that's not a good process. That's that's not what that's not what good organizations do. And obviously, that's without context. The Hornets are not the fourth worst roster in the NBA, fully healthy, but. So it's I'm torn because I love Drew Holiday and I want him in Charlotte. The cap number doesn't bother me that much. He's got two years left. I would I would just I need to see the package. I don't think it would be that much, especially since he just tanked his trade value. But I mean, I love Drew Holiday. He's he's a good shooter. He's a secondary ball handler. I think he's kind of been in disguise as a point guard in Milwaukee. I don't think that's his natural position, even though he can play it. I think he's more of a shooting guard. 
I think he's LaMelo's perfect fit. I think, and like, yeah, I've said all these things about having, having reservations. If I get a notification tomorrow that says the Hornets are trading for Drew Holiday, I'll do jumping jacks. I love the dude. I love him. Do you think, so you said that he tanked his own value, just like Dylan Brooks did, right? Do you believe that maybe this was a a play? Maybe Giannis went to him and was like, hey, you need to say this outwardly because there's all this talk about you possibly being traded. But I want you here. I think that you are a key cog to what we're building here in Milwaukee. Or do you think that maybe somebody from his camp's just like, hey, do you want to leave Milwaukee? Nah, not for real, fam. All right, well, go on this podcast and say I'm retiring in two years. That way nobody trades for you. I, you know, there's always that 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 play from the player's standpoint, right? Do you think that that holds any weight whatsoever? I mean, possibly. I'll just say that. I can't think of a great reason for Milwaukee to trade him anyway. Like, if I'm Milwaukee, I wouldn't. Like, he's a great player. And as a 33-year-old player that just said he's retiring in two years, what are the odds that you're getting better in the immediate future during your Giannis window? Yeah. Like that's, that's not Drew. You're not going to trade Drew Holiday and be better because of it in the short term. And you are competing for championships every year. I wouldn't do it. I don't think they would do it. I don't think Giannis would let them do it. Yeah. From a Milwaukee standpoint, I don't see it from a Charlotte standpoint, man. Do you think Terry Rozier and pick, 27 gets you Drew Holiday? No, I was looking at this earlier. I think I had like, it drawn I, up as like I know, like what, like what could even get you? Like you're gonna have to give up Terry. You're gonna probably have to include at least that first, and then they're probably going to want another player. They probably they don't want another draft pick. They yeah, would want another player. They don't have the Hornets. Don't have another player they can because like. You're not giving them Lamelo. You're not giving them Mark Williams, and like, but after probably that, ask for PJ. But, but yeah, but PJ's them. a free agent, so so I mean, a sign and trade is that could work, but that then that takes out the first round pick because exactly. that's after. So it's like, who who are you giving them? Because obviously those two off the table, you give them. I don't think they're gonna covet Nick Richards. They're not gonna. You can't give them Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward. That doesn't work. I mean, do they want Cody Martin that bad? Do they want? Book Knight, Kai Jones, JT Thor, probably not. Yeah. It's another pick. And at that point, that comes back into what I was saying about that's not a great – that's not a great look from the Hornets' perspective. Nor, nor Milwaukee. I mean, that's not yeah. fitting their window as – I mean, you said that too. But that's not really fitting their window. And for the Hornets, if it's not Terry Rozier and pick 27. And I don't think that gets there. I, I don't think it gets there either. And so, like, you're not doing P.J. Terry and the first for the from the Hornet side after he said he might retire in two years. Sure, you'd throw in a Cody Martin in there. That'd be fine. But then, like, the Gordon Hayward, if you included him, the money's not going to work all of a sudden. You're going to have to take back another contract. And then they've got to send back, like, a combination of, like, three valuable players, and that's not possible. It's just not. And so – it was a pipe dream. It was fun. It was fun thinking yeah. about it for, you know, the, 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 talking about it for the last five, six minutes. That was fun. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think we're really going anywhere. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's it's great, but it's unrealistic. Yeah, it, it was fun. It was fun. Um, <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about free agents, and so this upcoming summer, there are some big free agent names. A lot of people have talked about how this free agent class, you know, is not that great. But there's some really big names at the top. There, you got James Harden. You have Kyrie Irving. You know th- those two are probably they're leading the pack. But when you start talking about it from a Hornets perspective, the Hornets aren't going Kyrie hunting. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're not going James Harden hunting. And uh, Mitch has already stated those. But when you look at the free agent class. What are your top five gettable free agents? Mm, let me pull up my list real quick. I think I think I'll give you one guess at who my first guy is. <laughs> Dylan Brooks. Dylan like, Brooks. There it is. Um, gettable guys. I mean, I will. This is not one of them, but like I think Chris Middleton's a good fit, but that's not realistic. Um, looking at just gettable guys. I don't hate Malik Beasley. He's out of the rotation for for um, for LA right now, so that's hurting his value. And I think, it, particularly if you 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 get off of Terry, he's a good shooter off the bench. I like him. So I'll give you Dylan. No particular order, by the way, after Dylan Brooks, um, Malik Beasley. I like him. I like Josh Richardson. Um. After that, it's it's pretty nasty. I can't lie to you. I mean, after that, you're looking at you're looking at kind of lower end guys. That I'm just kind of thinking that do they fit the three and D label that everybody is looking for? And then you get guys like Dante DiVincenzo, Tori Craig, guys of that nature. And I'm just not sure any of them are moving the needle for me that much. Which, by the way, he this doesn't count, but. Dennis Smith Jr. should be back by all means necessary. Give him the max. Um, <laughs> okay, chill, chill, chill. chill. <laughs> so I guess here I'll, I'll give you I'll give you five. Dylan Brooks, um, <clears throat> Dylan Brooks, Josh Okogie, Malik Beasley, um, Dante Divincenzo, and Tory Craig. Okay, Tory Craig would be that uh, that you know defensive wing player for sure. Um, Dylan Brooks, like I said, I'm not, if it was Memphis stating that I'm on the Dylan Brooks train, you have to, you have to consolidate the roster at some point. There's just too much log jam at the two and three in Charlotte. That's decisions have to be made and they need to be made this off season. Um, whether, you know, the Ubres and the Rogiers and the Book Knights and all of the guys. I mean, you just have too many. Martin, you have too many guys there. And so something needs to be done. If you bring in Dylan Brooks, you have to shed, I would say, at least two of those guys. At least in order to make way. And then you got draft picks possibly coming in. We don't know how the draft's going to We'll see there. A name that I want to pay attention to who is in the playoffs, remember, playoff edition of the, you know, this is the Hornets playoff edition, was in the playoffs 
was in a seven-game series and has been in multiple playoff series prior to this season with the team that just put him out. Harrison Barnes of the Sacramento Kings. I like it. Is 30 years old. To me, he seems like a more reliable version of Gordon Hayward. And we know what this team is with a healthy Gordon Hayward running next to LaMelo Ball, even Terry Rozier with all of his defensive defects and his size defects and all those things that don't quite fit with the roster. And if you throw in a more reliable health version of Gordon Hayward, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And so with Sacramento, Harrison Barnes's minutes got cut in game six and seven because he just couldn't switch quick enough to get out on Steph and on Clay. Mm -hmm. So they brought in younger legs that could. Not every team is the Golden State Warriors where you have to switch like a maniac in order to cover the Steph Currys, the Clay Thompsons, the Jordan Pools of the world. Well, maybe. Okay. Steph and we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, maybe just the first two. And so Harrison Barnes coming to Charlotte, if you could have maybe a trade, maybe this is something the Sacramento's like, hey, Gordon Hayward's actually a little bit better than Harrison Barnes. Let's get him. We can watch his minutes. We're a three seed in the West. We'll see how this goes. And then possibly bring Harrison Barnes to Charlotte on a, I don't know, he's probably going to get 20, 25 mil probably this, this you know, offseason, I'm guessing, uh, per year. And so that would that would be my realm that I'm thinking. That makes a lot of sense to me because we've seen this team be a top six seed when healthy. And so you bring in a player much like Gordon Hayward in Harrison Barnes. I think it can make sense. I do. That's my that's my one name I'm going to throw out now. I got a free agents uh free agency episode coming in the future, so I'm just going to kind of throw that out there real quick. I see, I like it. I think it does make sense. Maybe I don't know if I like it at that the number you said as much, 2025. 20, that's a lot. But I do agree. I think Gordon Hayward. I think, in a nutshell, Gordon Hayward is better than Harrison Barnes, like you said. Mm -hmm. But Harrison Barnes is probably better to have on your roster at this point. Yeah, and so where Harrison Barnes comes in at twenty twenty five mil, essentially, Gordon Hayward's taking up thirty mil. So if you could shed five to ten mil and add a player that's going to be Gordon Hayward esque but more reliable, I don't hate that. I agree. I I think it replaces production very quickly. You don't have to create it. You don't have to, you know, wait for a young guy to develop. He comes right in day one. He's a veteran, playoff experience, recent playoff experience, um, and, you know, can shed a lot of wisdom uh, in the locker room. I think he would be more vocal. He's not a vocal guy either. But I think you'd be a little bit more vocal than uh, Gordon Hayward has been or what we portray or seem to believe Gordon Hayward to have been in his years in Charlotte. I think that um, – I don't know. I, I, I'm intrigued by it because is he 
doesn't create for others to the level that a healthy Gordon Hayward does, but he does essentially all of the other things relatively the same. Rebounds, three-point percentage, points, defense. He might even be a little – He's, in my opinion, he's a little bit better than Gordon Hayward defensively. It's just the part of his playmaking and scoring. He, You can't just dump it to him and say, go get a bucket like you can – with Gordon Hayward sometimes. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think you everything you said is correct, I think. Well, <laughs> I appreciate that, Ben. Um, <laughs> Executive of the Year voting results came out today. Surprise, surprise, Mitch Kupchak received zero votes for Executive of the Year. I made a little post on Hornets' lead. Uh, you know, kind of poking a little fun at that. Mitch Kupchak has received a lot of ish from the fan base over, you know, his tenure and during his tenure here in Charlotte. But there's something, you know, since this is the playoffs uh, edition of, uh, you know, Hornets basketball hive hoops here, I wanted to bring up some players whom many people in the fan base wanted the Hornets, wanted Mitch Kupchak specifically to go out and make a move for. And so first off, Donovan Mitchell. Cavs bow out to the Knicks in five, in five. And, you know, when it comes to this Cavs team and Donovan Mitchell, they gave up a lot in order to acquire him just to end up losing to not a great Knicks team, in my opinion. I know that they're in the second round of the playoffs. I know that they just beat the Heat, but the Heat are an eight seed. I know they just beat the Bucks. I don't know. We're kind of chasing myself here right now. But I'm saying all that to say I don't think the Knicks are that great. And so, in my opinion – this is why GMs are so hesitant to make that big move because you trade away all of those assets, you trade away all of those pieces, you do all of those things just to get beat in the first round of the playoffs, maybe make it to the second round of the playoffs. And we we see this in Dallas as well. The Mavs trade for Kyrie. Miss the playoffs completely. Don't even get there. Don't even make it to the play-in. Completely out of the playoff picture entirely. And then you could also go with Rudy Gobert here. I think the consensus there is that was a bad deal. But I think the stance, or, or I, I believe that the point still stands, is what I'm trying to say. You got all these big names moving, and people are wondering, why are the Hornets not making moves? Why are the Hornets not doing this? Why are the Hornets not doing that? We're just doing nothing. We're just going to develop young guys. That's all we're going to do, blah, 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 blah. But I believe that these playoffs have shown and demonstrated why so many GMs, including Mitch Kupchak, are hesitant to pull the trigger on those big moves. Where where do you fall on that? Um. Well, from the Hornets' perspective, I am um, Mitch Kupchak. Uh, as you said, he has received a lot of criticism, 
and I think there's a good portion of it's justified. You know, he's done some questionable things without a doubt. But one thing I'm not willing to criticize is pretty much anything he did this past offseason outside of maybe the draft was a, could have been handled better. But Miles Bridges turned that upside down. I mean, every plan they could have had centered around bringing him back. And when that became not really a possibility, that very clearly halted everything. I think a lot would have gone differently had that not happened. I was absolutely in favor of bringing Donovan Mitchell to Charlotte. And I don't think that Cleveland does or should regret bringing him to Cleveland. Um, I think that Cleveland got better. They're still very young. You look at Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Isaac Okoro, all are, I believe, under the age of 26. So there's still chances for them to develop there. I don't think that they're a first-round exit team necessarily. I think that New York was kind of a bad matchup for them. And they didn't, like Evan Mobley, I think he kind of, this was kind of his welcome to the NBA moment two years late because he was not good. And the, there was a real lack of – it was Garland and Donovan Mitchell, and then the other three were – you didn't really care if they shot it. That's kind of why they – that's why they moved Karis LeVert in that lineup. But even he – I'm not overly worried about him. So I think – I mean, I if, if Cleveland turns around next year and makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals, I'm not going to be totally – like, I'm not going to be very surprised. I think from a Hornets perspective – well, first of all, from a Hornets perspective, you cannot beat Cleveland's offer. They gave up Oshai Ogbaji, um, Colin Sexton, Lowry Markin, now Lowry Markin before he was the current Lowry Markin, to be clear. But then they also gave up three first-round picks and two pick swaps. Let me save everyone the time. The Hornets cannot do that unless they're including LaMelo, which obviously they're not doing. And so I think I, – I still think Cleveland did a good job making that trade. I think you can't be hesitant to make that big move. The Rudy Gobert one, I think the my opinion on that was that it was probably an overpay, but it was going to make them a lot better in the short term, which I was very wrong about that. But I don't think that you can be scared, and I don't think that the Hornets aren't really positioned to. But I think had, had the Miles Bridges situation not happened, if they had the ability to give a Cleveland-type offer to Utah, I think that they that would have been a good idea, if that makes sense. No, I, I hear you, and I was intrigued by it. But I guess where I fall, even last summer when these trade talks were happening surrounding Donovan Mitchell, I just – I would try to – remove myself from the immediate joy and like look at the big picture of what is your ceiling with Don with Donovan Mitchell as your best player or maybe even your second best player and I'm not sure that that even gets you to the conference finals and I guess that's where we disagree maybe a little bit there I would be I would be shocked if the Cavs make it to the conference finals next year. I would be shocked because I don't think – I just – that rarity of those best players at the top of the league, those guys just transcend everything. And those – like there's a very limited amount of players who just immediately vault you into championship status. 
And so I think for a lot of GMs, when they look at things, when they're looking at deals, they're like, I think GMs are trying to build championship teams. Now, I know for a lot of people in Charlotte, playoffs would be fine. And there's a piece of me that would be like that too. Get That's first goal. Get me to the playoffs. Get me to the playoffs consistently. But then I don't want to stop there. I, I want the Larry O'Brien trophy in Charlotte one day. And I even though I would have been excited about, you know, acquiring Donovan Mitchell, I don't believe that he ever puts you into contending championship status. I just he's a great player. He's just not in that elite category where I think that you trade the farm for him and expect to, you know, be in that contention. I guess that's where I fall on it. Yeah, I get it. I mean, everyone wants their championships, and it's a good thing. But if you're the Hornets, man, I mean, I know, I know. Like, if we had, if we had had Cleveland season this year where they won fifty some odd games, I know. Like the playoffs, <laughs> like I said, I think the playoff was an outlier for them. I, I think that was about as bad as that could have possibly gone for them. And if they ran it over again, I don't know if they win the series. They probably don't because New York dominated them. But, like, I just don't think that that is happening again. I think they win a series next year. Like, they're a good team, and they can improve. And LaMelo next to Donovan Mitchell, hypothetically. And, I mean, if Mark Williams is not included in the trade, I mean, like, that's that's a really, really good team that gets you to the second round at least a couple times, you'd think. Yeah. I guess that's where I'm – I guess that's where I believe that it ends – is the second round. And <laughs> it's it's crazy because we would do anything for just the playoffs. Then you talking about winning a seven-game series for the first time in franchise history. The only franchise to have never won a seven-game series. That's ridiculous. The Charlotte Hornets. And so I, I I sound like a spoiled brat when I say this, <laughs> and I get that, but I don't want to stop there. And I think, and I also kind of sound like a Mitch apologist, which I am not. I've I've hit Mitch multiple times with my words and my objections um, throughout throughout his tenure in Charlotte, but I just. I think this is what has GMs being conservative oftentimes with these trades. Donovan Mitchell, Kyrie Irving, Rudy Gobert. And, I mean, there's plenty more, you know, that you can look at throughout NBA history. I'm just naming the three big ones off the top of my head from this year that really moved an all-star, an all-NBA-type level player, defensive player of the year candidate, stuff like that. And I, I guess that's why I, I wasn't upset that he didn't do anything for that. And as you alluded to, Miles Bridges completely ruined last offseason. I didn't want him to because I didn't believe that he was that level of player that should just take an entire summer hostage. Uh, but at the same time, it was such a up. It's hard to blame him. Yeah, like I mean, you I mean, can't be was, angry. 
like you could make a real argument that he was the best one. He's the leading scorer on the the forty three win team. Leading rebound. And like they very I mean Mitch Kupchak said in the, the pressure before free agency that they were going to bring him back. I mean, they very obviously, I mean, any, anyone could tell you that they had a whiteboard of their plans and the plans involved re-sign Miles Bridges, do things around him and LaMelo. And then all of a sudden, half of that is just totally off the table. You don't know for how long. You don't know if that's ever a possibility again. And and now you're like, well, and now it's like, well, everything has changed. We don't know what's happening here. We don't know if Miles Bridges is ever going to play basketball again. We don't know if he's going to be found innocent and he'll be on a team next year. And then, and so we don't know and we can't make moves. We can't trade future draft picks not knowing these things. That's just not a good idea. Speaking of Miles Bridges, I didn't, you know, I'm I'm going to throw this at you real quick. Just from a basketball standpoint, last two episodes I've spoken about Miles Bridges. Any listeners out there, you want to go check those out. Go, uh, you know, the previous two episodes. One was by myself. One was with Sam Dracula. You can get my thoughts on why I don't want to bring Miles Bridges back. But from a basketball standpoint, what dollar amount are you expecting Miles Bridges to receive from an NBA team? Boy, I just, I have no idea. Like, yeah, before this all happened, he was probably getting, what would we say, $30 million a year? Like, yeah. Ballpark. And I think 30 probably would have been the floor and 35 would have been probably the ceiling. Per. I'm with you, though, by the way. Like, I'm, I'm, that just, it does not feel good. I would not be like, that's just, it's hard to pull for that. You know, like, I wish him the best as a person to get the hell, get better, but that's hard to pull for. From a basketball standpoint, he helps. I mean, I'd expect it to be maybe, gosh, 15 million. I don't know if I had. Yeah. I had to take a guess, but like, I mean, there's almost no number they could give him like between eight and 28 million that I would be. Oh my gosh. That is very surprising. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see this play out. I could see one of these contending teams, you know, who might have some, some space, uh, I'm not even looking at it, so I'm not even sure who might have that or who would be willing, maybe a trade partner with the Hornets, and they'd say, you know what? Yeah, we'll take that back if, you know, just, That'd to, be great. just to shed ourselves of this whole situation, right? That'd be awesome. I, I know, like a brand, like the, I know the Lakers have come up because Clutch and, you know, Miles spends a lot of time in LA. I, this is where everything occurred. All of the entire situation occurred in LA. Um, but like a brand like the Lakers could withstand a signing of Miles Bridges. Yeah. And maybe the entire NBA as a whole, just because sports entertainment, it is always going to win out over, you know, the treatment of women and um you know, how women are viewed and, and and treated by people. Dollars is at the end of the day. But I think I'm right there with you. I could see one of those top-tier teams maybe being able to go into the 20s to get him on maybe a one-year prove-it deal. Like, hey, prove to us that you can stay out of tr- trouble. 
prove that you're back at basketball, uh, at peak basketball form. You know, there's a lot of variables here because he hasn't played in such a long time. He has all of these court-ordered, you know, things that he has to meet. And so him being able to do all those things, I'm thinking – there's it, it's got to be a one year prove it deal, right? Maybe a one and one, like one year prove Probably. it with a team option on the back end. There's no way the guy gets a three, four year deal. I said he might if it's Charlotte, if it's another team, probably not. Jeez. I will, what I will say is no matter how you feel about it, when I just told y'all, I just told you how I feel about it, and that's not particularly good. I am pretty much operating under the assumption that the Hornets are going to resign him. As bad as, as bad and as disgusting as it feels, I'm pretty much operating under the assumption that that is what is going to happen. Yeah, I, I believe that as well. I think if you go back and you listen to Mitch Kupchak's, you know, postseason presser, he pretty much all without saying yes, we are going after Miles Bridges to bring him back to Charlotte. He says, hey. We have control over two free agents, P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges. And Kelly Oubre, we don't have as much control over because he's not restricted. He's, you know, unrestricted. And so that told me a lot. And I I believe that he will be back in Charlotte. The only thing I – maybe a trade partner, maybe uh, Mitch is trying to up his value and if maybe – you know, Mitch is back here playing chess, you know, and he's trying to move these pieces and, you know, garner trade value for him to where the Hornets might could get something back in return. Austin Reeves, send him to Charlotte. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know, right? Um, but just, I don't know. But I believe that he will end up in Charlotte as well. I just, what dollar amount? It can't, man. I really hope it's not a mult like a guaranteed multi year deal. I just, there's no way coming off of what he's done, not playing for a year. Like he's got to be a one year deal, maybe two year with a team option on the seconds. Has to be. Yeah, maybe, hopefully. <laughs> maybe, hopefully. I don't know. <laughs> you, it's anybody's okay. guess. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Well, Ben, I appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate you, uh, you know, talking free agency, Dylan Brooks, you know, Drew Holiday. That was fun for five minutes, like we stated. <laughs> little Mitch Kupchak, little Miles Bridges. I appreciate you coming on, man. Tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and, you know, all the things. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. I had a great time. Y'all can find me on Twitter at Ben H U N C C. I pretty much just tweet whatever comes to mind and too much of it. So thank you. Hey, no problem. To all the listeners, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Hive Hoops. Until next time, adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops, presented by the League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops.